0: Ah, uh, yes, ice and snow, we don't have to think about that on uh, July 1st, Eric Hanson with you producing Tank McNamara. Tank, say hi to our longtime friend of the show from the Viking Update, John Holler. Hi, John. I suppose I should punch Is him your in. real name? Yeah, well.
1: Well, yeah, uh, kind of. <laughs> no, was, uh, I, I used to work here. I worked in this building for 15 years, so uh, I had was given this name 19 years ago, and it kind of stuck.
0: Alrighty. He was given it to a person who uh, we should maybe mention this too, and you you know of him, John, is uh, coming up on sadly the year anniversary of his passing. Ed Schultz, longtime host of News yeah. of Views here, and uh, and you were the producer for Ed for a long time, but he, uh, J- uh July fifth, I do believe we lost yeah. him last year. Yeah. So that that's who. That's who gave uh, him the moniker Tank. So, <laughs> there say, we go. To say it is stuck would be an understatement. That's yeah. for sure. No, I do that.
1: I can honestly say Ed totally changed my life. He gave. <laughs> no one calls me Mark anymore, which is
0: <laughs> what my parents gave me. <laughs> well, John, I haven't talked to you since, uh, and I've been meaning to. It's just kind of been crazy around here. But uh, you're big time. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I'm big, but that's
2: about it. Uh, you're kind of a big deal. Too. Uh,
0: yeah, not in, not in the right places. Kyle Rudolph ended up uh, re-signing, and we've talked about that quite a bit. But I think you and I were both a little surprised by that because once they drafted Ersmith Smith Jr., we thought that maybe he'd be out the door one way or the other.
2: And there was legitimate uh, talk that they had a tentative trade with the Patriots ready to go on draft weekend, but it just never came off. And I think Rudolph did all the exact right things or ordinarily. You don't take contract questions public to the media, but he and his wife have become so invested in the twin cities area that, you know, with, uh, the children's hospital, that all the charity work that he does that he's really become kind of one of the faces of the franchise. And, for me anyway, I I just thought this was, you know, if you read into the contract, it isn't, there, there isn't any real true heavy lifting for two years. And at that point, then business will probably get in the way of, you know, him seeing the completion of that contract, but it's another big contract that the Vikings have signed and they are willing to roll here the next year or two with a lot of their, salary cap assets concentrated on about 10 guys. And whether that's a formula for success, I guess we have to see. But, you know, they've done a nice job of developing draft picks and they've kind of taken the Baltimore Ravens, Pittsburgh Steelers, Green Bay Packers model of we aren't going to spend crazy money on outside guys. We're going to develop our own. And if they earn a second contract, we give it to them.
0: Well, that you know, that's a very good point, and and I guess you know when they look at it, I guess it's kind of a win-win for everyone too, right? Where Rudolph gets a lot of his money. There's a little bit of relief for the Vikings, and I guess if everyone's happy, that's a that's a that's what you call a good negotiation.
2: Yeah, you know, and uh, you know, the to me the big question is, you know, one of the things uh, you know I've talked with Kyle a hundred times, and one of the things that I brought up to him was what has changed over the course of the last few years with him. Because if you remember, when he first came up, the big thing was, can he ever stay healthy? Because he was injured at Notre Dame, or else he probably would have been a first-round pick. He missed time two of his first three seasons. Well, last four or five, he hasn't missed a game. And he said that he just wanted to be more of a complete player and not just a receiver. And I think we've seen that over the last few years, but with the new offensive scheme that the organization is bringing in with Gary Kubiak and Coach Denison uh, that's going to try to replicate that run-first style that we saw both in Denver and Houston back when Arian Foster was the man. It's going to be interesting to see how Rudolph adjusts to having to be more of a blocker than a receiver which is probably going to be the role that he has now.
0: Well, you know, we I argue with Joel Heitkamp all the time. He he feels like he goes down too easily. But I said, you know, he's kind of the tight end version of Chris Carter. He'll get you that first down on a third and three, and he also gets a lot of touchdowns in the red zone.
2: Yeah, that, I'm not sure where that came from. The Because the Vikings made a point late in the season, probably early December last year, to send out a tweet informing everyone that he was like second in the NFL among tight ends in yak yards after the catch. So he's, you know, if you're expecting Tony Gonzalez or if you're expecting Gronk, you're not getting that. Well, and uh, that's
0: what I think it is, right? That that those guys have kind of set the tone for what everyone thinks a tight end should be or if they should be this basher like a client saucer, but he's really more of a complete package than what you think. And that's my opinion anyway.
2: No, I, I'd agree with you. And I think one of the differences that we've seen over the last few years in the NFL is how the tight end position has morphed into everybody wants to have that guy, you know, a Shannon sharp type, a Tony Gonzalez type. I mean, you go around the league and look, everybody has a young pass catching kick catching tight end on their roster. It's just, you know, they don't always pan out, but it's, something with the three and four receiver formations that we're seeing the passing yardage records, just getting obliterated, you know, not, not only at the top in terms of, you know, we had more players with 5,000 passing yards than we've ever had ever. And the number of 4,000 yard passers set a record last year, the number of 3,000 yard passers set a record. And I think with all these multi-receiver sets that they're stealing from the college game, tight end is the one that can create the biggest mismatches because, by and large, if, if you're an athlete, you're faster than a linebacker and you're bigger than a safety. And those are the two guys who typically draw coverage assignments on tight ends.
0: John Holler with us here from the Viking Update on Couch Potato Radio. Derek Hanson with you along with Tank McNamara. Uh, final thing before uh, Tank wants to ask a question here, but you were the one who kind of broke it here, and, and we talked about it a little bit and had a few people on the street ask me about it, that... It was a little rocky at times, though, and I think that's where a lot of speculation came in last year with the new quarterback, Kirk Cousins, and him, right?
2: Yeah. It's, you know, he is, Cousins has had kind of favored nation status. You know, when you look at the totality of his career, when he came to Washington, if you remember, they drafted, they traded up to draft RG3 and with the second pick. And they gutted themselves on day two. So they didn't have a second or third round pick. Shanahan finally gets back on the clock. The old man Shanahan finally gets back on the clock. And what does he do? His first pick he takes is Kirk Cousins because he stayed true to his board. He said, this was the best player on our board. I don't care if we used, if we mortgaged everything to get a quarterback. Well, RG3 had a great rookie year, gets injured in the playoffs, and it's never the same again. You know, he's still around. He's in Baltimore now. But it was one of those where Cousins was the darling and then suddenly they didn't have the belief in him to give him a five-year, $100 million contract. So they franchised him twice and then they decided to go in the Alex Smith business and that's how he became available for the Vikings. And he's a guy who has never really faced what I would consider to be adversity. You know, he was the golden boy in Washington, and now he comes in here. And I think, you know, a lot of the players have said that it's legitimate the way he presents himself is who he is. But it comes off at times as being a little fake. And I've heard that said by a few players. And I think towards the end of the season, when we saw the frustration with Coach Zimmer in the offense and how it was running, that. You saw a little blow-ups with Adam Thielen on the sidelines, with Stefan Diggs, with Rudy. Oh, yeah. You saw all these things taking place. And sometimes that can get a little overblown because there are arguments that take place between players and players and coaches in every game. It's an emotional game. It's a physical, violent game. And tempers will run a little hot. But I think towards the end of the year, we were seeing that, eh, we'd rather have Case Keenum. You know, I mean, that was kind of the the feeling that I got from them was that they felt the one year that Keenum was there, that the offense was more diverse and more explosive with him than it was with Kirk Cousins. And hopefully in the second year, that will change, but they have a lot of work to do with each other.
1: John, how much of that though was on the offensive line and has the organization done enough there in the off season to, to make a deep run in the playoffs this
2: year? the offensive line remains a problem. I mean, if you can go back, it's not sexy. years. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not a new issue. I mean, the, you know, about five years ago, the Vikings had the only offensive line that had the same five starters for all 16 games, but people don't remember John Sullivan went down for the year in the preseason. So did Phil Loadhold. So it's like when you're looking at those starting five, two of them were replacement guys. And I, I think ever since the Vikings have been doing everything they can to try to build it up, and it's they hope that they have the right combination of guys. I don't think Riley Reef has turned out to be what they expected he would be. But when you look at someone like Brian O'Neill, who uh, looked awful, it looked like he was wearing snowshoes when we saw him at OTAs in the very beginning of, of mini camp and training camp but by the end of the season he was grading out as well as anybody and then you add Garrett Bradbury in in the draft he's one of those guys who could be the center for the Viking you know offensive linemen don't sell jerseys but if I was buying a Vikings offensive line jersey it'd be Bradbury because I fully expect he's going to be here for a decade or more and then you add Josh Klein in free agency at guard they're mixing and matching pieces on the fly and you know Personally, I, I thought a lot of the problems they had last year came from just the indecision that was forced upon them with the untimely death last July of uh, Coach Barano.
0: Well, that's true, too. Yeah, and we kind of forget about that. And, and the shuffling deck. Well, and a new offensive coordinator with that. I mean, <laughs> Again? Yeah, exactly. That does, you know. Yeah, you had two offensive coordinators within the season after you had a guy leave for the head coaching job of the Giants. There There was a lot of... Influx, but I do
2: think... And a guy who quit prior to that in North Turner. That's true, yes. I mean, if you look at the short coaching history of Coach Zimmer, everything on defense from the players to the coaches has remained almost exactly the same. Offense and special teams have been shaken up and thrown out, and, you know, I mean, Kubiak is not the offensive coordinator, but everyone is viewing it as such. Right. And you have to kind of ask yourself at some point, when will Zim just let the offense go, coach the defense? Let's you know let the offense kind of run itself. But as a head coach, you typically don't see that very often.
0: John Holler with us from the Viking Update here on Couch Potato Radio. Derek Hansen, Tank McNamara, with you. How much? And I said this, and this was some of the arguments I get in with uh, Joel and a few others on the air and by a podcast. But I do think Kirk Cousins, you know. Many times I saw Riley Re- Reef try to create a pocket, and this was a knock on Cousins back with Washington. He doesn't step up in that pocket, and that's one thing he's got to do to help his linemen out a little bit. I mean, it's, it's awful, and that's why he had so many strip sacks over his career too.
2: Yes. Uh, the, it's almost like he's not fully aware of what's going on around him. And the thing is, he's not a glacier. This isn't Vinnie Testaverdi back there. He can run. He just chooses not to, and I don't know if it's a self preservation thing with him. Maybe it was, you know, playing alongside RG three at the start of his career, and he and he saw what a scram what happens to scrambling quarterbacks in the NFL. One big hit, and that's all she wrote. But it's he, Cousins is one of these guys. He can be very frustrating. I mean, you and I have gone back and forth since before they signed him and, and all of last season, where. There are times when he looks like one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He will throw passes that you are just in amazement of right on the spot. You know, he had a touchdown to Thielen, if you remember last year, put it in between two defenders. Oh, yeah. And I don't think Thielen even saw the ball, but he stuck his hands out and it was right there. But then you'll have those plays where it's the critical interception or fumble or whatever that have seemed to be more of the definition of his career. You know, he's one of those guys who, when you look at the year-end numbers, you're going, wow, you know, he did it again. You know, him and Phillip Rivers are the only players who have thrown for 4,000 yards and 25 or more touchdowns in each of the last four years, the only two in the entire NFL, which is saying something. But when you look at what the result has been for both of them, you know, I mean, the Chargers got to the playoffs last year, but that ended a, a drought for them, and Cousins' his playoff history is one and done. Is, well,
1: it, is it is it because he's not a winner? He doesn't have no. that mentality. I don't want to say he's a loser, but you gotta I, be I, big in clutch situations in the NFL to be a great. And does he have that in him?
2: I personally, I haven't seen it often enough to where if he's got the ball with two minutes to go, you're going. This is done. You know, I mean, you see that in guys like Aaron Rodgers, where it's like, okay, the Vikings went ahead by three with two minutes to go. I think they're going to lose because, <laughs> no, you know, he gave too much time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's just, he is one of those cousins I'm talking about, is one of those guys that just doesn't inspire that confidence because he doesn't show it enough. He's known more for the big play that kills a game then the big play that wins a game and you know with these guys it, it, it's their job it's their livelihood we have the luxury of 2020 hindsight and being able to critique we don't have 300 pound men with bad intentions barreling down on us you know he does <laughs> and it's one of those you know it, it's hard to say that he's a loser because he has all of the requisite skills to be a great quarterback but when you look at the great quarterbacks you know the test that i did last year with uh Uh, with Derek and with just friends of mine who brought it up was just go team by team and say, would you rather have her cousins or their quarterback situation? And just about everybody cousins ended up at, you know, I had 14 teams. I'd rather have their situation coming into last season. And you could use the same argument coming into this season. Would you rather have Baker Mayfield or would you rather have Kirk Cousins? And even people with unbelievably varied opinions, every single time, Kirk Cousins ends up somewhere at 15, 16, 17 on that list. I'd rather have for one year, I'd rather have this guy or this guy or this guy. And the list is growing. So when you look at a guy who is that, you know 15 16 17 quarterback you've got yourself a middle of the road quarterback yeah no just d- that simple
0: yeah no doubt there's top tier pricing yeah on him. well yeah. he's he's a fr- he's True. a and fr- the arguments I get with about him is and I want him to succeed don't get me wrong he's a Viking fan we got two years to figure this out but it's more kind of a fancy you mentioned the numbers are wow sometimes when you get done but the people I argue with the most who think he's great are fantasy football fans
2: Right. And he is Mr.
0: Statsheet. Yes. I mean, but there's that intangible thing that's not going to be measured in fantasy football that quarterbacks need to have. And that's just all there is to it. As we wrap things up here at John Holler from the Viking Update, um, it's hard to believe we're, what, three weeks away before you're going to be getting your pen and paper down and going down to Egan, Minnesota for all the practices in the heat at OTC Performance Center. It's, it's hard to believe it's almost here.
2: I can't get here quick enough for me.
0: Oh, really? You you love it, huh? Well, it's a lot better than going to Mankato, I suppose. Huh? True.
2: <laughs> very much so. Is very, there, very, very much so. Is
0: there anything you miss about training camp in Mankato?
2: Uh, they always had the taste of Mankato okay. when I was down there, where they'd have uh, old bands that I didn't know were still alive. You know KC and the Sunshine Band. Oh, sure. yeah. was there one year Fog Hat? Was there one? Year. I'm like Fog Hat. Really? Would it kill you to play some Fog Hat? But uh, <laughs> uh, I think the I think the 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 one thing I I, I miss most that I I can't get back at at uh, TCO either is I always every year would have dinner one of the nights that I was down there with Fred Zamberletti. Oh, yeah. and we would go to this old time restaurant that looked like it was straight out of a Scorsese movie. You know, it looked like nothing had changed from the fifties or sixties whenever it was built. And we would, they knew Freddie and we would just go sit in a corner table and we would talk for three or four hours and me saying very little other than asking questions. And he would talk about the Vikings from the sixties and seventies and it was some of the funnest times I ever had. So that I, I really miss. But as far as the proximity for the fans, for the you know, it, it, it hurts if you're from Mankato because they brought millions every year into the local economy because you had to put people somewhere, you know. And suddenly the cockroach inn that has rooms for forty nine ninety nine a night now suddenly is doubling or tripling those prices during training camp because they know that they're going to be filled and you start to plan for that sort of, you know, the, the city plans for, okay, we know that we have, you know, $9 million funneling into the economy over those two or three weeks. And now suddenly that's gone. So I feel sorry for those people, but we had talked about this years ago before it even happened, that this is the wave of the future, that teams build giant facilities that contain their own stadiums. So once you get somebody in through those doors, everything they eat, everything they drink, everything they buy is the the, the middleman has been cut out. You know, the Vikings didn't make squat when they were down in Mankato in the big picture of things because they didn't have the concessions. You know, they didn't have the parking. They didn't have all of the little extra money things that you can bring in. And I don't know how long it's been since you've been out there, but every time I go there, the landscape changes because they are building around that, that facility like you wouldn't believe because, you know, it was a wilderness property when they bought it. And now there so many people are working out there 24-7. It's amazing. I'd love to see a time-lapse camera if they had one of just how that landscape out there in egan has changed
1: does that have anything to do with the owners being involved in real estate (laughs) they know a little thing or two about this
2: they know a couple things about the real estate business yes uh and it, it was one of those that's why i think the wilfs have been extremely good for minnesota because you know there was a lot of uh scared people when red McCombs you know, well, there was scared people when Red bought the team because they thought he was just going to immediately take him to San Antonio. But if Red still owned the team, we would have a cookie cutter stadium like Ford Field. We wouldn't have the type of stadium that the Vikings have because, you know, everybody was whining about the oh a billionaire feeding at the public trough. Well, the three hundred million that was kicked in for that stadium by the state was repaid in the Super Bowl alone for tax money generated for them much less the final four, much less concerts that uh, are there and will continue to be there from here on through. But the will said, not only do we want to stay in Minnesota, we want to build the brand, not just sustain it. And what they've been doing is just unbelievable with the amount of reinvestment that they have made. And the, that comes with a cost, but to make money, you have to spend money, and they're very clearly willing to spend it. No, that's for sure. Well,
0: hopefully it works out. I do encourage people if they can go check it out. I'm like you said, I haven't been down there since I saw you down there last year when I was doing a little coverage. Joel High Camp and I went down there to do a show. It's just a beautiful facility, and uh, it's it's easier access. You know, it's just bigger. It, it you know, it's a little bit more corporate, obviously, for the fans mm-hmm. out there. But it's still they do a good job of making a great fan experience.
2: Yes, they do, and uh, it's you know, they've gotten all of the bugs out, you know, cause at first there were some problems, you know, with the bathroom situation, parking to a certain extent was uh, an issue, but they've worked all the bugs out now. And I strongly suggest people going, you know, cause when you, when you went to Mankato, it pretty much had to be a two day trip um, unless you lived in Southern Minnesota here, because of the location of the Twin Cities and the location of the population center there, you can easily make it a day trip. You know, you could make it a day trip from Fargo. Oh, for you sure. Know? Yeah. And whereas Mankato, that it, it doesn't seem like that much farther, but those extra couple hours behind the wheel get to you. Especially, Do you know since, what I mean?
0: Yeah. Especially since two thirds of 169 would be under construction every year. So, yeah. 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 I've
1: made that trip many times and. You're lucky to make it back into Fargo without driving off the road just out of pure
2: irritation.
1: It's a horrible drive.
2: But you get to meet farmers on those detours, you know, where it's (laughs) like, hi, boy, the corn's high. How you doing? You know,
0: John, it's always so much fun talking with you about the Vikings and everything else that's going on. I do appreciate it. You have yourself a great Fourth of July. We'll do it very soon. You as well, my brother. You bet, John Holler with us. Viking update. Just Google him; you'll find all this good stuff about the Vikings and much, much more. Actually, he's been a busy guy. Derek Hanson, Take McNamara producing. This is Couch Potato Radio here on the mighty seven ninety KFGO.